Welcome to another episode of Life on the Road. I'm Coach Scott Bowledge along with Coach Alfonso Key, and we are the coaches that will take you on a journey of other coaches from where they started to where they've been and where they're at currently and the, the life stories and life lessons in between. And today's guest is no different. Uh, Coach Rob Burke is someone who we both know, and I will let Coach Key take over and kind of give you a little bit more background on Coach Burke before we get into this episode. We have a phenomenal guest today who has a dynamic background, uh, which we call a real lifer in the game of basketball, played uh, for a legendary father, um, Bob Burke, one of the top three winning coaches in the state of North Carolina at his peak behind Dean Smith and Coach K. Um, he's been to all levels, um, former player at Chawan for his father, um, matriculated out to playing um, overseas, then got into the profession by accident, but has covered junior college division one, mid-level, low-level, high-level division two, and just through the journey of life, what his first plan um, now was the head coach at Chawan University, where his alma mater is. So look forward to hearing Rob Burke, his story connected with his father. Our special guest today is someone Coach Key and I have known for God, over about 20 years now. And again, we're not going to get into his playing career. He had a great playing career at Swan College way back when. National Player of the Week. Is that, am I correct thinking back as a senior? Uh, got a story about that, running into somebody who, who knew uh, one of our opponents. But uh, welcome to Life on the Road, Coach Rob Burke, the head coach at Shawan University. What's up, guys? Thanks for having me. Oh, man, I'm, I'm looking forward. This is, this is one of the episodes <laughs> I'm really looking forward to. And Rob, thank you for another time. People have no idea behind the scenes what your day looks like, but appreciate you taking the time for us with your player development, your financial aid, overseeing, recruiting, holding on. So we, we're so grateful for your time. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me. So let, let's get let's get into the very beginning of your coaching journey. So what made you want to get into coaching and where was your first coaching job at? Uh, I did not want to get into coaching. I wanted I wanted no part of coaching. Uh, basically was forced into coaching uh, from the standpoint of uh, the team. I went overseas. I graduated. I went overseas that year. Uh, I was playing for the Clare County Jets and uh, right outside of Innistiman, Ireland, and um, had a great little, great little time and whatnot. And I had, I had committed to come back and be a player coach for the next year. And so we got home in April uh, or May and it just, financially like I had I've made a couple phone calls to him or whatnot and I just things I could just tell things were not headed in the right direction and so it got about August I had worked some camps that summer it got about August and um my godfather J jumping Joe Gallagher rest his soul uh called me and said hey there's an assistant position open at Limestone College I can I can you can interview for the job but you're gonna have to go in there and win the job and uh I went down to interview at the job and I was in the parking lot waiting for my time to interview and um, Earl Grant, who's the head coach of Boston College was coming out of his interview and mm -hmm. we chopped it up in the parking lot a little bit. And he was on his way to Charleston to interview next at the Citadel. And he said, if he got that job to Citadel, that's what he was taking. And uh, I got lucky. Uh, coach Epley hired me like a week later. And so I worked for Larry Epley my first year at, at Limestone College. Okay. And that was just – that's how I got it started, man. It was uh first two and a half, three weeks, I hated it because there was right. there. So I'm doing all the office work, the grunt work, following up on a bunch of recruiting he had done throughout the month of July. And then once the guys got there and we started workouts, I was hooked. Because yes. I was on the floor and sweat with them and, you know, get back to having a ball in your hands and passing and, you know, showing guys back then I could still go a little bit. So it, it was right. good practice here and there and – I mean, if, if I couldn't have done any of those things, I don't know if I would have st stuck with the coaching, to be honest with you. Gotcha. That was so how was uh, that coach. first experience for you? And, you know, go transferring from a player to a coach. Oh, extremely hard. It, it's, it might be one of the hardest things to do. Yeah. Um, one, you know, you still got that competitive spirit. So, like, separating – I think the biggest thing was not running my mouth. I ran my mouth a lot in college. So, I I, I talked a bunch. Like, when a, when a 
you know, you're trying to coach or teach and build a relationship, you got to have a, there's a level of respect in between that line. And that was, it took probably, I would say at least three, maybe even a fourth year before I really understood that line as far as like, Hey, I'm, I'm in charge. I'm, 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 I'm dictating what's going on here. Um, but that at the same time allowed me to to learn how to build relationships with kids that is helping me to date now, because that is the most important thing is to have a relationship with these guys uh, before you can even get to basketball. If you don't have a personal relationship with guys, it, it doesn't, uh, it's not going to work as a coach. And so I think that was the toughest part. And then the, the other part was just like really giving up, like playing like, Hey man, I couldn't play up every single day. And, and like in college, I played, every single day. I don't care what they like guys just don't play like that anymore. I played every single day. If I didn't play, there was something wrong. I was hurt or something was going on. Hey, coach, both coach Burke, um, Scott kind of gave me this idea. So just when you first got the job, I know Scott and I were similar. Our first jobs, we had no orientation. We didn't have, we just got thrown in the fire. So your first day, what was that like? Did you have a chance to work and get groomed and mentored? Or um, what was that like? Your first responsibility on the first day? I was in the same boat. Coach Epperly gave me a, a yellow legal pad that he had been keeping all summer of guys that he had saw and recruited. And we had to sign nine guys to follow for the next class. So I went to work okay. on it right away. Um, called a bunch of different guys that I yeah. knew as assistants. So like, hey, you know, what what's the next steps? I to be honest with you, I didn't lean, I didn't lean on my dad at at all in that scenario. And and he had kind of told me that. He says, I want you to go learn basketball from somebody else. You've heard me talk basketball for as long as you've been alive, you've yes. seen me. Yeah, you need to go learn basketball from somebody else, and and that was a big early on in my career. It was a big thing as me learning other ways to skin a cat. He would always say that. He's like, you know, you you can skin a cat hundred different ways. You know, nice. you the right way that fits you. Yes. And for Coach Epperly, working for Billy Lee, working for Robbie Lang, um, and then being able to go be my own boss. That really was um, that that was got me jump started. So moving on from uh, Limestone, where was your next job at? Next job, I, I, I left Limestone after two years. I went two years at Campbell University. Inside of that, I worked for uh, Billy Lee my first year, okay. which was, I want to say his 18th overall year. And then the next year, uh, Robbie Lang became the head coach. And uh, I turned down the opportunity to go work at James Madison University um, just from a loyalty standpoint because Coach Lang didn't have to keep me. And he kept Myron Guillory. Uh, he had he had been out for a year, and um, he kept us on. Uh, we kept the core guys together, and uh, we had signed a couple guys throughout the summer. And I, I had a chance to go to JMU, and I just I didn't do it and uh, stayed at Campbell there. And then the very next year at the end of the season, I got lucky and got involved with the Spartanburg Methodist job, which was a Region 10 job and still is to this date, uh, which is the same conference uh, my dad had coached him for so many years. Okay. So now you go from being an assistant coach yeah. to now you've got your own program. And, yeah. you know, for those who, who don't know, you know, your dad was, you know, a legendary Juco coach, legendary. a legendary coach, period, in the state of North Carolina. Yes. So now you take over a Juco job, you know, the same conference your dad coached in. And what was his reaction to that, especially a, a team where or a school you go to where they had rivalries. Yes. That, you know. Hey, Coach Burke, and, and I want to put it in the context with, with who your dad was. At that time, um, your father was number three in the state and wins behind, oh, two, behind two people, a guy named Dean Smith and Coach K. So I just want to make sure we don't gloss over that. Um the image of uh, the presence of the third winning coach in that state. Um, it was remarkable. So make sure we didn't gloss over that. Um, he, he was a big time, big time coach. Uh, and he would tell me about that all the time as well. Just to remind me a little bit of, of <laughs> what the standard was. You appreciate it. You know, like it, it was just, I think he was elated for me. Um, right. At the same time, I think it was, it was, I was at a point where, Hey man, I, I need to figure out what this thing is all about. And like mm -hmm. the only way you can do it is getting that driver's seat. And it's extremely, extremely hard to get in the driver's seat. It's probably people have no uh, have no oh, under outside of basketball how hard it is. I don't care what level you become a head coach. Yes. It is extremely competitive. Um and, and I got really lucky. Um 
you know, at, I, I won't sugarcoat it. Like at the end of the day, my dad's relationships throughout this country helped me get the job. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, like I'm not going to be at fault for using my dad's network. Like yes. you know, what it's all about at the end of the day, you got to have a network, a recruiting network, a coaching network. But I think he was excited for me. Um, it was part of time in our life. They were on the other side of the country. My dad was in, at University of Hawaii with my mm-hmm. mom. Wow. Um, I can't remember. Maybe maybe he had just gone to Portland. Okay. Gone to Portland. Trailblazers. When I yeah, with the Blazers when I took the uh SMC job. But w- what a great and Scott can vouch for this, but Scott came the first year and was was an assistant. Yeah, how was your staff? I heard your staff kind of sucked. Um staff, soft staff. I was down, I was down on my staff early. <laughs> <laughs> Who was your lead guy? Hey, my lead guy over there, man. Right there on the next screen over, man. Oh, hey. Coach Bo was my, my apologies. I forgot that you I've been able to get through it without it, man. It was just Good to have somebody that you know and you've been in a foxhole with before because Coach Bullish, my senior year coach or my junior year, yep. you coach senior, senior year. Wow. So, I, I mean, we have been in the foxhole together before, man. Just had a, a great friendship, first and foremost, that, you know, I understood basketball the way he understood it and we were able to connect. Yeah. I don't know if you remember this, Scott, but like game one, we beat Caldwell Community College. We beat the brakes off Caldwell. Yes, we and did. Then we played South Georgia Tech the next day and got beat by like 34. I'm standing in the locker room looking around going, man, what just happened? <laughs> <laughs> it looked easy at first, but it gets difficult as it goes on. It does, man. There's levels to this thing now. South Georgia Tech fully funded. Yeah. Kyle had just started their program. Right. This was a traditional basketball powerhouse. Now, financially, we're, we were not at the point where they used to be in, in the previous years, but we yes. had a sufficient enough scholarship budget. But Sufficient. Great, um, great learning experience. Everything I thought I knew, um, I didn't know. And and those 18, yep. inches, I can tell you to slide over from one chair to the next, there's a long way to go, man. Huge. So It, 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 it is a, a huge difference. And what was um, – what were your conversations like with your dad? You um, know, be, and Because I, I know he would come watch you practice and he would come check out some of your games and – I had an opportunity to to stand next to him during some of your games. Oh man! And oh. you know, what's it like? You know, with him evaluating your team, and then I'm sure your coaching. You know, uh, having somebody like that in your life. I was defensive, just like I was as a player uh, early on. I, you know, I early on, like year one, year two, he wasn't there, but year three, he came and spent a bunch of time with me. And I want to say it was year four that he moved in with me and coached with me. And that was after he had, he had had his heart attack at Portland and kind of was just trying to get back in the game a little bit, right. but um, hum- humbling from a standpoint of how much I really didn't know. And just like the thing, the questions he, 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 he finally said, Hey, I got to I got to coach you. I got to coach. You. Like it was a coach coaching another coach. Yes. Probably the most most I learned about myself and then like how you take a season and figure out your team in a season. Wow. And the steps that what you want to do in the month of October is not what you want to do in February and just how that season Mm. evolves. And it was really just um, enlightening, man. And then at the same time, like (laughs) there were some times where like, I mean, I I got into a point where like, I got to do it my way too, dad. I got like, I ain't running UCLA high post. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it worked. Oh, so, but we mixed in some different things that I finally started to like a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably more so the 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 conviction you have to have for your team, and then hey, this is what we do, and this is how we do it, and this is why we do it. And and those three categories, like being being precise in your teaching, um, not wasting a lot of time, um, just so many little things that he taught me. I had no idea. I, I was just out there as a former player yes. seeing and trying to play it like I had, I would play it as a point guard. Mm-hmm. Hey, Coach Burke, uh, again, you're taking me back. Um, I was coaching somewhere. I might have been at A&T. And I was um, at your region um, post, I think postseason tournament, or it might have been mid of post. So myself and a friend of mine, Robert Bricky, he was somewhere else. And we're sitting there. Um, and your dad comes, says hello, classes, how's you doing? Then he goes up to the t- 
top of the stands. Okay. So your dad knew everybody. He took from ACC, pros, everybody. So Coach Bariki played for Duke. Um, and I worked for your dad. So real peaceful. He goes to the top of the stands. And you're coaching. It might have been where the old Hornets used to practice. I forgot the facility. Yep, that is. And a Region 10 tournament there. So we're sitting there recruiting. So we, myself and Coach Bricky, we're looking, and your dad kind of goes to the top of the um, bleachers. The game starts, and it's like all of a sudden you hear this guy. I'm making the name of John! John! What are you doing, John? Get back! What? Yeah. I mean, he just intensely, like convulsion possessed, is screaming at the rep, is screaming at you. Get off the post! Off the post! And Robert Bricky, I mean, he said, is that the same guy we just spoke to? I'm talking about the whole entire game, coaching correctly, referee, bad angle, bad angle, front of, no, bad, throw, shot clock. And it was like a clinic, and it was like something I've never seen. And Robert Ricky, to this day, we talk about that. It was unbelievable. Good. I- I'm telling you, even when my dad was, like, not at his best health, that joker would go to, like, 80 games a year. Like, <laughs> it could be Division three. High school, JUCO, it didn't matter. Whatever game, he'd go to a game now. When he had, when he had finally kind of like, all right, I'm not going to coach anymore. Right. Uh, he's still it, it's just a passion for the game. And that, that's all it was, is a high-intensity, high-level passion, man. And the difference was, outside of him being extremely loud, what he was saying was competent and it, it was correct. So it wasn't like he was just aware. He was talking about the refs in the wrong angle, the um, the next pass, the defensive rotation, help recover. It was phenomenal. But just, you know, I, I knew that I worked for him. But Coach Bricky just saw him, knew of him, and then he could not believe the transformation. Do you, uh, am I saying this correctly? Do you remember that? That turn? you remember that? I do, I do remember the tournament, man. I do. Like, I, I want to say I think Brunswick beat us in the first round at the buzzer or something like that. We the played Dolphins, it. yeah. So, yeah, I do remember that. But I, I was used to that because at home games, the, the mezzanine was above us. And so he would okay. leave rail. If he couldn't sit across from me and give me some like type of hand signals or whatever we were trying to run, he would definitely sit above the rail and just like, I mean, he would give it to me now sometimes. And hey, it was. Rob, don't forget now, I coached JV. So I'd be coaching. He'd be in the stands and he'd say, 31 don't. 31 dump. He'd be calling the plays for me, and I'm looking up in the stands. So I was I was at home, but Coach Bricky was shocked. Yeah. I tell you, the best the, – the one conversation when – and I got off the phone my dad, and I was like, it is the, his conviction on how much he believed in the UCLA high post. Like, I, I job over at Wilmington, um, and I think it was about 3.30 in the morning, and he had called, and he, like, he couldn't sleep back then. And so he'd be up all kinds of hours, especially if it was middle of the year. And obviously with that going on, we had talked earlier in the evening. He called back and said, I can't, I can't sleep. I can't sleep. <laughs> don't put the UCLA high post in. You won't score. You might not score tomorrow night. You have to. I mean, it was like two, three, four. It was like quarter to six in the morning before I could get him on the phone. And he was yeah. adamant. Like, if you get out the phone with this, you will not score next week. <laughs> <laughs> He started going to like, all right, you can run this wrinkle off of it. You can run that wrinkle off of it. This oh, is right. You can deliver it from over here. And it was mm-hmm. just, I, I mean, put I, it back in. I, like I was screaming at the top of my lungs. We ain't running that. The game. <laughs> so, so I, Rob, just, just to, to go back real quick, something you said <laughs> that you were, your dad talked to you about was building your program throughout the season. And, a lot of coaches really don't even think about that or look into how you can build your program to the point where you're peaking at the right point of the year. Yep. So can you go into that a little bit? You know, yeah, definitely. So here at the Division Two level, it's different, obviously, than junior college. Um, at junior college, you were using the month of September to really showcase your guys and mm-hmm. try to teach them some formation of, hey, this is, what, this is how we're going to play. Uh, but you're doing that through pickup. You're doing that through some skill development. Um, here at the Division II level, you basically got about eight or nine weeks to get in great shape, to get back in the weight room because most of your guys have not had a strength coach all summer. They've been home. Um, so it's a critical time for that. But at the same time, you I've taken two different angles with it. Um, I, I've used the whole preseason to start to install your break and install mm-hmm. some breakdown stuff that you're going to do offensively. Um I think this year, because we have six new guys, we have nine returners, but six new guys, there's going to be a little bit of, a little bit of 
hey, we're going to play to to incorporate our break. And then we're also going to break down and have a mixture of some four-on-four groups and really start to work a little bit in the half court defensively. Because, you know, at the end of the day, I, I've looked at our schedule. It's a challenging schedule. So that that month of November is, is a month that's going to test us. Um, you know, and I think that's it's it's important that you you come out of the gate, you gotta play some scrimmages and see where you're at. You need to play somebody good, but also you gotta gain confidence at the same time. You yes. you wanna win a little bit so your kids understand okay. when there's a there's a fine balance in there. Yeah, learn behavior. I think this, this year, like we're we're scrimmaging uh USC Sakahatchee um on a weekend retreat, and then we're turning right. around William and Mary. So right. like two ends of the spectrum right there, which is, you know, both scrimmages, but we're going to test ourselves to see where we're at. And then uh, I think we have a open up with a exhibition game at home. And then we go right into uh, uh, what they call a conference challenge, which is that first opening weekend. So we'll we'll see within the first five weeks where we're at, or let's say, let's say four weeks. All right. Well, you come out of there and you start to head to Thanksgiving and you're like, okay, you're probably going to have a, some type of conference game, um, the weekend before, or you're going to have one coming up right before exams. So when you go into that Thanksgiving break, like you need to start to, you need to start to click a little bit. You need to know where, you know, where yeah. you're getting your buckets from and where you're getting your stops from. Mm-hmm. Um, we got two tough games after Christmas. I think we were Clayton state and Virginia state. So like a peach belt team and a CIAA team. And we would have already played St. Augs twice in Elizabeth, wow. Elizabeth. City. So that's, yeah. um, it's a challenging schedule, in my opinion, and and I think that's – I want to see where we're at. For us here at Chowan, I think we're in the toughest division. I okay. mean, next year we're going to three divisions in our league. Uh, five of uh, Our five teams in our division, all five, four of them were in the top five of the league last year and one was the 10th seed. So, like wow. – and that's a that's a newly programmed that's going into the year two with a new staff and like they're gonna they're, they're, those dudes are working so like mm-hmm. I feel like we play in the toughest division right. um, gonna get challenged by some other teams in other divisions um, Emmanuel Bellman Abbey Young Harris but I mean, you're talking about a 15 team league that yes but at the same time and saying all that guys you still gotta have legs in February man so you can't you can't press that button but but so much so early that's true man. long long season. Right. And that that's where I think some some people get confused. You know, if you start out slow yep. and they don't understand that it doesn't matter where you start, but if you can just hit that streak and hit that groove at the right time. And I think that's what you're trying to get to is, yep. you know, building that team to February to where now all of a sudden, you know, we're clicking and you hit that tournament and that, that's all you need. Yep, definitely. And, and I felt it last year. Like I, I felt it both years here. It's a grind, man. Um, when you don't, ha- when you only have one assistant. You got another. We have a developmental team still, okay. um, and, and we're bringing those guys along. It, it can wear on you, man. They, they get tired of you, and you get tired of them. I mean, it's a natural uh, evolution, and that's why your personal. I mentioned earlier, if you if you don't have a personal relationship with these kids, man, yeah. they're gonna look at you sideways, and they got to know that you have your their best interest of their success in the whole big scheme of things of the team success. Right. Perspective you talked about, and this is great dialogue because, you know, just to talk about being a head coach, any level, uh, we talk about players um, going from high school to college, college pro, but the same stats are for coaches. Uh, The percent of you being a college coach compared to all the coaches, junior college, high school, prep school, JV, freshman, it's a minute number. So being a head coach at any level is tremendous. And then hearing your, uh, you know, I'm in education right now in high school coaching, but just the same curriculum preparation that a science teacher has all year, EOG test, you're doing the same thing. Your dynamic, your detail to the particular day. What are we learning now? Lesson plan. So this is a great dialogue, Coach. Thank you for kind of sharing kind of behind the scenes, the dynamic and the complexities of being a, a college coach. Yep. And, and with all that being said, Let's hope your best players stay healthy, man. You can't lose. You can't lose players. To, that change that'll change your style of play. Change how you practice. It'll change everything. Like having a Porsche, all of a sudden that steering wheel is out the window. I mean, how fast that damn car is! <laughs> it, it, it's a hoopty. Yep. <laughs> I, re- I remember our first year at A and T. We lost at the semester break. We lost about forty points a game. Woo. 
yeah. due to eligibility, injuries, what have you. Right. Or you want to talk about a car just losing the engine and yeah. riding on three donuts? Oh, yeah. oh, yes, yes, yes. So, and it, it's, it, it's so, what's the word for it? It's so sensitive. You know, that's why coaches like your father, um, who was an elite coach, not because he won those games, but he had seasons where he didn't have enough, had enough. And over a period of time, our profession knows who can coach. Nothing yeah. to do with the win total. Nothing okay. to do with because let, let's be honest, um, you could be a high major coach. Um, you could buy 10 games. You could have 20 home games. And then, so on the record, it looks good, but on the converse of that, you you bought 10 and you got 21 home games. So your father, yourself, I mean, just consistently doing, changing lives. And uh, I'm excited that as I hear you talk, you remind of him so much. Appreciate that, man. That's a compliment. So we, we kind of move forward a little bit, but let's go back to after Spartanburg. So you were a head coach at Spartanburg Methodist Junior College. Where is the next stop on the road? Um, six great years there, man. I mean, really great years. I was able to get married, get my life started, uh, had a child. Uh, we adopted Mina, our oldest daughter. Um, so life was moving and it is just, I don't know. I got that itch again from standpoint of like, I wanted to be, I think my overall goal after having some time in the business was that six, seven, eight, nine, that was like 11 years. I was like, all right, like I, I feel like I can be successful at the division one level. So I was lucky enough to go work for Chuck Drizell at the Citadel down in Charleston, South Carolina, uh, one wow. of the military institutions of, of America. Uh, <laughs> like as much as SMC taught me about coaching, um, Citadel taught me a, a whole different deal. Mm. Um, as, far as it's the, it's the road less traveled, man. No no kid wants to wake up at 5.30 in the morning every single morning. Not even wake up at 5. Wake up at about 4.15, 4.30. Be on that line at 5.30. It's just kids are not built like that anymore. And so it was re- from a recruiting standpoint, you had to be sharp. I mean, you couldn't you couldn't miss things. You had to do more than everybody else. You didn't you – had, you had less uh, from a facility standpoint. Um, you had really had to explain the military so mm-hmm. that so that it – it wasn't confusing to them, um, but you also right. had to show it's going to be tough, but yeah. you make it. And when you make it, look on the other side down here, man, because dudes are getting paid left and right. And I'm yes. go back and I look at that first class we ever recruited. Um, it was a exceptional class. They're all grown adults now. I think one's a dentist, one's an insurance guy. Mm. There's several other guys. One guy went and played championships. Yeah, it's just like champions in life, man. Them yes. Dudes, and it, it was not easy, man. I, I'll be honest with you. I, I I feel like I was a pretty committed person to to life and to being successful. It's a really challenging thing to go do is at VMI or Citadel go and go through that for four years. It, it's tough. Not because if you go to Army and you go to Navy and you go to Air Force, like at the end of the day, you're getting a fat check at the end of the week and you and your bennies are taken care of and like you All start right. the day you get there. And it's not like that at the Citadel or or my so and that that experience alone, again, so you know, you go from Campbell, which is division one, small yeah. college, JUCO, then you go to a, another division one who's a, a different they're a different conference, correct? Uh Southern Conference. Yep. We yep. were in the, I wanna say we were in the A Sun at Campbell and it's now I think during the colonial, but been a couple of league changes there. But yeah, right. for the Citadel. So how how was that jump and even with the military? You know, just talk about that experience because even like you're you're not there as as a student going through all that stuff, but I'm sure you still have to deal with all the things that the students have to go through on a daily basis. No question. Um, you you really start to find out your commitment to the to the athlete himself. Right. Um, I mean, like some of those freshmen, man, on Sunday afternoon, I cut the AC down to about sixty eight. Tell them come over to the house, man. Pump up a couple of air mattresses. <laughs> I mean, it's sleep six, seven straight hours during the day because they were just gassed from the week and they make a couple of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, have some food at the house. I could watch, I could sit down and watch football all day long and those guys would be, it'd be four or five guys sleep at the house. So just figuring that piece out. And wow, I can't tell you how much a cold chocolate milk, a young man will appreciate a, a carton of cold chocolate milk, man, because his day, he had a rough day. Like everybody's on him. He ain't got done what he needed to get done. Basketball practice was terrible. He's he twisted his, you know, thing. 
rough week and you hit him at 11 o'clock at night, you just swing by his room, drop yeah. off a cold chocolate milk. <laughs> sure, man, them dudes forget about everything. <laughs> I call you know, the, the, um, the, the, Hey man, coach cares about me. Coaches, coach is real. Like he, he ain't just here trying to win games that like at some division ones, that's what it's about. And right. I never operate like that. I, at the end of the day, Jim Trippett made a major, along with my father, but Jim Trippett, when I was in eighth grade, made a major impact on my life as far as, you know, showing me some things that I could be successful with on the basketball floor. And and I I, I had a great experience here at Chowan. And I want every player I've ever worked with, I want them to have a great experience in college. And it hasn't always happened for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, I can be honest with you. We had a young man who was a walk-on it at uh, the Citadel. And he had an awful basketball experience with us. And But I'll tell you what, I, I – I personally have a great relationship with him to this day. And um, I think he saw that, hey, at the end of the day, you know, Coach Burke's a real dude. And he's he's real about the whole situation. And he's coaching now. He's a high school basketball coach. And he knows knows hoops, man. And I'm like – I'm looking at him going, man, that whole experience he went through at the Citadel just just made him gross exponentially. Prepared for something else. Have no idea. We talk about that. You know, I, I have a heart for coaches as I transition, you know, college basketball, 19 years, and high school and, and doing some of this. But, you know, I have a heart for coaches for two reasons. One, impact in my life. And I've heard tremendous quotes about, you know, a coach has more impact and, you know, one year than most people in a lifetime. But just, you know, what you're doing. Like, these aren't statistics. There's no stat when you're dropping that chocolate milk off, you know. And people have no idea what you do for personal wins. So I just – ecstatic just hearing your voice and like my son's a player now so he's been exposed to other coaches and and mentors but um you're just following like i said your father impacted me so much i mean i, I in every aspect of my life from being a, a husband being a father um being an elite professional um all those things so as i'm hearing you uh, i'm just jumping in because um I, now i'm interviewing his son um who i hope one day recruit my son right Yep, man. It's uh, and, and again, it, as we opened up, we talked about network. Like at the end of the day, it, it's about a network, you know, and it's about rela- meaningful relationships. Like meaningful. I th- I'm glad you said that, Coach. Not just phony. And I got I got plenty of relationships where I can just call a dude, hey, what's up, man? How you doing? Hey, can you tell me about this? And that's just a that's just a informational relationship. I learned that. In the business of having meaningful relationships, it takes time to build relationships because it, it's all a relationship built off trust. Yes. And, it takes time with the kids. It takes time with their family. Um, you know, because most people this day and age are, they're, they're, they're like, they're, yeah. hyper, they're looking around going, all right, is this for real? Or is there, no they're like trying to hustle me. <laughs> so after, after Citadel, where, yeah. where do we go from Citadel? Cause we got a few more stops before we get to where you are now. Two years at uh, Georgia Southern as director of basketball operations. It was the first time I had to step away from, basketball and, and and really understand the business side of mm-hmm. division one athletics. And it, that taught me so much. Uh, I was able to work with Tom Kleinlein, who's the AD at Ole Miss now for football. Uh, Tracy Ham, who's in the college football hall of fame, was a great mentor to me there. Worked with an unbelievable offensive coach in Mark Byington, who's at JMU, uh, Larry Dixon and Ben Betts, Andrew Wilson's the head coach of VMI. Um, just a great two years there. Um, and my wife was able to get her master's there at Georgia Southern, which was um, in higher education, left uh, Georgia Southern, ended up at UNC Wilmington as the director of operations year one. Uh, year two, got bumped up to the floor as an assistant coach. And then midway through year three, they decided to make a change in our leadership as a head coach. And um, I was the only guy on staff that had head coaching experience. So um had to finish out the year as an interim head coach there at UNC Wilmington. Well, Coach, uh, let me t- – Touch on that real quick. First, I mean, you did a great job in that role. That that is, people understand that's a crisis management situation. So, talk about that just within a a, a flash, changing your roles and getting that team which you did to buy in and play for something called honor. Yeah, um, and, and that's what it was. It was just playing for your respect as a as a man. To be honest with you, um, those kids were. I think the biggest thing I went into that was like, all right we've lost 13 in a row or 14 in a row. Um, we just got to, we got to find just a little bit of success here and, and try to get the, try to get them to get their, stick their chin up a little bit. Cause okay. kids were extremely, um, extremely capable college basketball players. It was, you know, it just had not gone the way we all envisioned it going. 
And it was, it was crisis management. I remember when they told the team um, what the scenario was, I basically said, Hey, look, it's, it's six o'clock. Let's meet back here at 10, take you a couple hours, go do what you need to do, inform your families. Uh, if you don't come back at 10, I totally understand. We'll go on, we'll go on without you. Cause it was, it was to the point where like, we were going to try to find seven or eight guys just to figure it out here. The next, I think it was 12 games left or something like that. And just try to figure it out. And everybody came back at 10 o'clock that night and we just, you know, we, we got back to the basics, just pass it, catch it, you know, square up, you know, get in good shape. We had to run a little bit, get our legs back under us, you know, and then we were, we were lucky enough to, to find a way to win a game. And, and it just kind of that, that, Jump started us a little bit to to what we try to get done down the stretch. Yeah, well, we might have lost the key there, man. So from there, you uh, you know, what was your record for those last couple games at Wilmington? I want to say we we won six out of twelve. I think we we're six 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 games in a 12, 12, six and six. I think um, we ended up beating College of Charleston twice. Uh, beat Drexel. Um, trying to think, I'd have to go back and look. I think we won six games. Okay. Beat North and- Northeastern at home, which to me, out of all the wins, that was that was the best win. Uh, beat William and Mary at home at, on homecoming, but yeah, beat Northeastern at home because I I got so much respect for Coach uh, at Northeastern. I think he's the best coach in our league and, or in the league at the time. I mean, he. He's forgotten more basketball than I know. And I think we were down 17 or 18 and a half. We came back, pushed it to OT, found a way to win an OT. And it, it was just a uplifting moment for the guys. Because I, I kept telling them, I was like, just, you know, let the chips fall where they fall. Go do the work, then let the chips fall where they fall. But you got to do the work first. And right. that was that was the thing, was getting back to a little bit of work. Yeah, every, everybody wants to win. Everybody right. wants to win. Everybody yeah, willing working. to win. Right, exactly. Coach Key said there's a major thunderstorm down there, and he's we need lost that rain power rain. for a little bit. If Keys and if Keys send that rain up here to, to Eastern North Carolina, we need it bad up here, man. No, no problem. It hit me all at one time. You know, hit me all at one time. Lights went out, power went out, and my back. That was Coach Burke saying, "Coach, get it together now. You should be prepared, Coach A to Z." Which generator, coach? What happens if power goes off? As Coach Burke coming down and talking to me. Hey, so here, here's the crazy thing. So you 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 get let go, or they they go in another direction at Wilmington, and then the pandemic happens. Yep. So so we're out, and then one day I'm on my my uh, Instagram. I'm driving, and I look and I, I see your your timeline, your story, and you're on the road. So I call you up and like. Man, like, where are you going right now? And this leads you to your next job after being an interim head coach. And this is this is the most important thing people need to understand here. You go from the interim head coach at a Division One college to where is your next job? Uh, Colorado College in Colorado. <laughs> coach, and I tell you, man, it was just uh, I, I had. Blast! I I I don't think people understand. Um, did I want to do that? No. Did did I did I feel like I had earned the job? Yeah. But at the end of the day, business is business, and yeah. I understand the business of the business. And um, I thought I'd be able to land an assistant's job because of the pandemic. I think I had a lot to do with it. I interviewed probably seven, eight times at different places. It would, to be honest with you, from that March, whenever I got when where I was told I wouldn't get the job till. January first, when I left that day, I mean that was a that was a stretch, man, of not not having who yeah. being a part of a team. It's the first time in my life I hadn't been a part of a team in August, and I'm I was at the time what 40, yeah. 40, 43. and it was the first time I had ever done that in my life, and that was I'm looking around going I, I applied for Noom the the weight loss job I had to do a Zoom interview with Noom. <laughs> hey, hey, but, but Rob. Coach, they don't understand uh, this is the journey. Um, but if we one day, how many jobs, myself included, have you applied for? Didn't get that's part of it. I could count countless jobs. We have a whole coach, Scott Bowes. We have a session on this. I'm above at least 50 jobs I've applied for, or hey. I would say above 50 applied for, probably 25, maybe 30 that we've interviewed for over the time. Scott, how many times you had somebody say, I'm gonna give you a call? 
next Monday and you waiting. You had to find a four coach. I got you call call the office and oh, okay, who's this? I found the key. Oh, oh, he's not in right now. And then he give me a call next Monday, and the call never comes. Only me. Ever happened to you before, guys? Trying to find a job, but guys, I got you, man. Just give me a call. Yeah, it's all Rob. Go ahead, Rob. Before I got the job at Tawan, uh, this is like a story that came back to me when I was doing the podcast earlier. I sent my resume out so much in the mail. The woman at the post office said, "Man, I really hope you get one of these jobs." basketball is just different the way the business of the operate it's different than anything that's out there man no and and then then when hoop girl came out coach you know i remember one time i went for a job and i know i got it i'm talking about i know i got it and then my man said yeah your boy got a job at university x i'm like what no way it's somebody else that got the job Accepted the job. I'm waiting for the call to tell me I know I got it. If a job here's the, here's a new rule. If the job gets posted, if it's if you see it get posted, too late. It's already hired. They just now gonna go through the official steps. <laughs> that is guy. <laughs> facts. Facts. So Rob, now now like we we're at, we're in Colorado, and you hear that the Chawan job opened. Like, what's your first thought going um, through going through that? I was on another job interview. I was I was trying to land a director of operations at Utah State with Ryan Odom. He had just taken the job. Um, I was serious about going out there, and you know, Chawan called and and wanted me to come back and interview and and take a look at you know the the setup and and where they were at and as far as moving to a new league. They had left the CIAA and joined the Conference Carolinas. Um, I never really growing up, y'all, and even in the business, I never really thought about coming back to Chowan. Right. Um, I just, it just hadn't had the hadn't had much thought about it. Um, I think there was a time at the end of my career at Sparmark Methods we had had some discussion, but financially, from a scholarship standpoint, like I wasn't about to show up in the CIAA with two scholarships. Like that was tough. I mean, you just can't go. You can't show up to CIAA with two scholarships and think you got a chance. <laughs> Not at all. Asking to go outside and get whooped. Um, <laughs> So, like, I never really thought about it. And I, you know, I had some discussion with my wife. I had wanted to stay at a high level. Utah State is a big-time, big-time job, and they won 28 games this past year. Um, but I don't know. I got back here, man. I came on the interview, um, spent some time with my mom, uh, and something just told me, like, something in my soul, man, and my gut was yeah. like, hey, like, there's been some luster lost here. Like, you need to come back and put some respect back on. on. Mm-hmm. But – has been done for Chowan basketball by everybody that's been here and not, not just my dad, but like, you know, after my dad, Jim Chirbett and then coach, yeah. coach Brett did. I mean, at the end of the day, Brett didn't, some days didn't have a fighting chance, you know, uh, from a scholarship standpoint, yeah. and he has, he has some really good years. And so like, I, I just, you know, I'm, I'm biased, man. Cause I played here at Chowan. I, I, I sweated that Chowan sweat on the baseline. I know what that feels like. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I wanted, I want to, I'm a competitive guy, man. I think I can go try to a- add something to our history uh, here in this league. And so that's kind of like what made me pull the trigger on it. And, you know, it has not been easy. It's not easy. It's a it's a grind, man. It's it's one of the tougher jobs in the, in the country. Yeah. But you know what? Like, I like it tough, man. Yeah. Like, ain't life ain't easy, man. I like, I, I like it when it's a little hard sometimes. You know, Rob, you talk about, you know, sweating on the baseline. So my second time through what I would – was with Coach T. Oh, we were doing yeah, the, the team it. competitive shooting drill. And he's like, all right, you know, Coach Burke, all right, losing team has to run. All right, cool. Hey, coaches, you too. You lose, you get on the line too. So, and, and you better make the time. Coach, he made both of us run. <laughs> Rob, now I understand this. You know, you're out of playing shape, though, so you're in practice with some running shoes on and a hoodie. And uh, coach, get on the line. You better make it in 28 seconds. So I'm sitting there like, you got to be kidding me. So we're sprinting. I'm like sprinting gas. We're adults now, about to fall out. But you know what it taught me, though, that I'm engaged in practice. You know, at first I was kind of sitting aside an assistant, but dagnam it from that point on, you watch any clip of me, I'm clapping, I'm talking. I mean, I don't give a dang if it's a layup line, but he got me from that point I'm Let's go, let's go, let's go. I mean, even from receiving the balls, but it was a great point because as a head coach, it's draining when your staff is just sitting there. 
From that point on, I'm sitting spraying up the balls. I'm diving. Because we had them, like, for real, we had to make it in 28, 29. I mean, I sprinted. I can't. I, I don't know when the last time I made it. I maybe go, made go, it. Great story. At the Citadel before my last knee operation. That might be the last time I made it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but we were part of the program. Your father coached where there wasn't a, a second option. Like, no what an option, like, from staff or anybody. So when he said get it done, I have another story, Coach. I know it's about you, but um, my first year uh, working for your father at Tawan and um, Scott was on staff with us. So um, there was a conflict in the gym. So I walk in the gym, and the third, you know, three there's three goals there on full court, and there was um, some wrestling mats. Um, so I see a few. So my first natural inclination is, okay, we can't go. Use that goal. So I'm like – Walking, I see it first. Your dad comes in. Coach, goddamn, where's he? Where's the mat up? Get up! So I'm sitting there, pushing, sweating. We, we're rolling the mat. He is lighting us up. When I come in this gym, I want to correct. And no excuses. I'm sitting there, sweating. We got the oval shape, you know, the big mats, and me and Scott are pushing. And um, it was like urgent. But the point was, we practice at two thirty. Period. Your job, you get there at 1.30, at 1. When I walk on that floor, I don't care if you got to paint the floor. I don't care if I'm pushing mats. Like, I never in my life knew how the mats got there for wrestling. Now I know. <laughs> we had that at the Citadel, man. Like, I don't know. We had we had one guy that set the gym up. It was a huge gym. It was three courts, same setup. But those are those rollaways. Mm-hmm. It, if you, you like, you want to get some extra shots before practice, like, you, you got to set the gym up. So I, I feel you on that, man. And that, at the end of the day, when you're a college basketball coach, you become a jack of all trades. Yeah, uh, you get your hand involved in so many. I mean, shoot, man, I ran a forklift last week. I, I <laughs> that goal up. We had to lift the shootaway machine up and get it in the door. Like, all right, give me the wheel. I got it. It was just you. You, you like you said, you figure it out. You got to yeah. figure. I have it on my wall over here, man. It's a. Uh, it says something profanity first, but then it says no one's coming. Figure it out, and that's. Oh, I love it. I need them myself, coach. Yeah, you you have to figure it out because if you don't, somebody else will, and then when it's time to compete against them, it, it's it's going to affect winning and losing. And your dad always said, "Make a way or find a way," and that has resonated me my whole life. And once that was instilled in me through this coaching journey, everything in life was easy. Grad school was easy, change professor easy, but I remember pulling up like I was WWF, you know, Rowdy Piper. I'm like, me, Scott, that whole, and we got it done, didn't we, Scott? Yep. So, Rob, we're going to keep this thing moving. We got two more segments. All right. Okay. These are our, our favorite parts of the show. Uh, first one is our no disrespect top five. So, you got five coaches that have made a impact on your life professionally personally but again it's only five so the people who don't make that list no disrespect right yeah um true and 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 one is being the best in five no, or just any, any nah. five no particular order any order i i gotta say coach epley uh for like coach epley made a huge impact because it was just like Hey man, here's a recruiting car. Here's who I want to sign. We got to sign nine dudes. Mm. And he turned me loose. I was able to coach a uh, developmental team as well at Limestone. So like, I went over and got my took my whipping from Brian Garmouth at Sparberg Methods. I think he beat us fifty <laughs> times. So, you no, know, like like he's definitely a major impact on on why I'm in the business. Um, number two, man, like. Chuck Drizell made a huge impact on my life from the standpoint of we were going to win 15 to 12 to 15 games a year. And like you won 15 games at the Citadel, you might as well count that as a 20 win season. That That's the type of, that's the type of season you were fighting to go get. And that's not a great number in college basketball. Right. Um, but if you haven't worked at a military institute, you don't understand that. Mm-hmm, it, mm-hmm. He wins is a heck of a year. And there's only been two 20-win seasons in the entire history of the Citadel. But we had lost 17 games in a row, man. And that dude came to work every single day with the same pop, the same energy, never changed towards us or the kids. And we end up that season, we end up winning three games to finish the year and went to the tournament 
and beat Greensboro in the tournament. And um, had Wofford, had a chance to beat Wofford the very next night, um, just didn't have enough juice down the stretch. But it was just like, that taught me something. Like, I don't care what your circumstance is. I don't care how bad life is or how bad yeah. for you. Like, bring it every single day. And he he was a major impact on that. And, and just gave me a lot of uh, room to work offensively and defensively and have input. Um, number three, my high school coach, man. My high school coach, I came off of an injury at the end of my junior year. And my junior year, my high school coach had been there 20-some years. He'd now been there 40-plus. Uh, he re- he took a sabbatical. And so my junior year, he didn't coach us. And a, and a new coach came in, whole new philosophy. I had a great summer at the end of my sophomore year, team camp going to my junior year, played a whole football season, don't get touched. First practice, I come to a jump stop, tear my meniscus. Wow. So I'm – as a junior, I, I play. I couldn't even fit in my uniform by February, but I had, I, had, I was a butterball. Um, but Coach Simmons, man, that next summer, I, I like, I worked, I worked, man. I got after it's first time I really like worked at it. Like, all right, you got to go to work mm-hmm. and, and, and everything. And Coach Simmons, man, just put it, put great confidence in me. I mean, like, he didn't play me because my dad was a coach. He didn't play me because my mom was a principal. He, he played me because I was going out every day and I, I was putting that work in. And and then the work started to show on the floor. And just like he just gave me great, um, great confidence in myself. He would always talk to me, man. It just made a major impact on my life. Um, number four, whoo, um, that's a good one, man. No disrespect. No disrespect. Billy Lee's got to be in there. Billy Lee's got to be in there because. One of the better offensive minds attacking a zone I've he ever seen. Excellent. Fly like, hey, this is what we're looking for, and his um his verbiage to the kids in a in a high pressure situation was just smooth, man. Mm. Never never got rattled. Always dressed. Um, I saw. <laughs> I'll never forget, man. We pulled up to Anthony Atkinson's house. This is the first kid we're gonna sign as a Division One player. We're going. Uh, we're going to do the home visit. I'm nervous. I'm like. Coach Lee looked at me. He's like, "I hope you got that red carpet rolled out because I'm gonna come strolling down it." <laughs> Went in that house, man, and he 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 was he was fearless in the house. As far as telling him who he was, who Campbell was, and trust us with your son, it was it was. Mm-hmm. So he's four, and uh, man, I I, I got to throw my dad in there. At the end of the day, like I ain't in this without him. I don't know what I know. I don't have the life experiences, um, you know. Like, uh, there's a picture up there. I can see it from from here, man. I'm I'm standing there, and uh, I'm having I'm I'm eating dinner with John Wood and my dad. Like, wow. I hasn't heard him tell you how he worked for, it, but like, I would always hear that story, and I was like, yeah, all right, whatever. And then we roll up to Campbell, and Coach Wooden is coming back to speak, and like, we don't go with everybody else. Like, we go over here to this place, and we go eat with Coach Wooden, and. Man. So like a private dinner and like I'm looking at my dad like oh shoot like like he do got that juice he he's got the re- he he was for real like I just thought was like, you know you work camp with a guy before you say you know him no nah. nah, coach Wood and my dad were over there like chopping it up and I'm like this is for real like he he got the juice so I I, I definitely um and also not not just from the standpoint of teaching me basketball but t- but teaching me life and how to take my life experiences and then relay it to the kids and get the kids to believe in what you're trying to yes. try done for them in their lives. So there's five. No disrespect to anybody else. That was good. There you go. There's the old, the old saying of people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. That was your dad. And uh, that's it, man. That's that right there. If like you can fi- get that figured out. Like you'll have you you gonna have some kids go to like you're gonna be able to strap it up defensively. You might not oh, be able to go, but they'll go. go. <laughs> definitely, definitely. So our last our last segment here, we're we're now calling this coaches anonymous. Now everybody knows if if you're a coach, you need some type of rehab. <laughs> not not that type of coach is anonymous, but coach <laughs> is anonymous. So we gotta have a funny story from a practice from the recruiting trail about this anonymous coach and everybody knows in this profession, every coach's first name is coach. So you yeah. don't have to say a name, just give yeah. them the, give them the first name of coach and give us your, your best coach's anonymous story. Man. That's I, a good one. Like that's a, 
I mean, that's 24 years you ask for right there. There's a lot in there, man. Um, man, the best one. Who? Let, 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 let me do a – can I do a, a recruiting one? Yeah. Any category you like. You'll like this one. So I'm out there. I'm on it. I'm on it. I like, I feel like, all right, I got, you know, 12, 13 years experience. I've seen what a good player is. I've seen what a bad player is. We all know what a, what a high major player looks like. Like we've, yeah. we, and so. Jumps at you. Yeah. It, ju- it jumps off the page. Like, oh, that dude can go. Like mm-hmm. he's somebody else. So this was pretty obvious. The kid I'm, I'm, I'm watching, but I am recruiting a different player on this team. So there are two high major coaches. They have high major experience, but they're both mid-level coaches, mid-major plus head coaches. So we are uh, – I'm following this kid all summer. I've tied into the mom. I feel locked into the AU coach. Like, it's that July. Like, we're on the grind. Yeah. And so I now have really sold my boss, hey, coach, this this the guy. We got to go get him. Like, we got to go all in with him. And – the other coach and him are really good friends. So boom, we post up. We're in the we're in the bleachers or whatnot. And the guy comes over to sit down and watch, watch a game with us. Now, this guy's been, he's been at the highest of high levels. And now mm-hmm. he's taking over a really, really good mid-major job. And my boss is a mid-major guy. And we're like, we're we're rolling. Like we we think we're gonna get the right guy. And so the comment comes out, like, who's that kid going to play for? The best player on the floor. Like it ain't even close. He's the best player on the floor. And I, I, I just happened as a young assistant, you know, I'm like two head coach. They didn't, my, my guy didn't know who he was. Mm-hmm. And I, I was like, he's a high major guy coach. He getting, he got four or five looks and he kind of like just snapped on me. You don't know what a high, high major player looks like. How do you know? You've never been at the highest level. I've been at the highest level. I mean, he just giving it to me. I finally looked at coach and I'm like, who is this guy? <laughs> like, and he, like he's trying to get a little irritated and the kid <laughs> over one time and then he, he might have took a bad shot. So he starts crushing me. You you sure this guy knows what he's doing? You sure he knows what he's doing? He You got him out on the road recruiting for you? And I'm like, man, is he is he like, is he challenging me? Like, is he playing around? Like, is he for real? Yeah. So to this day, this young man is still playing. This young <laughs> man to sign at Kansas, then went on to be the national player of the year at the college level. He got drafted. And every time he gets a bucket in the NBA or he does something, or I see it on his Instagram, I screenshot and say, hey, I texted to my previous guy. I said, hey, man, make sure you get this to coach so he knows. I know what I'm looking <laughs> I do it all the time. The kid's still playing to this day. Because I knew I wasn't crazy. I was like, no, I'm not. I know I haven't. Like, I know this dude can go, man. Like, I've seen him like five other good, good, really good guards. So, yeah, that oh, was I, I, that's a great story, a, oh, a great yeah. way to end it. Uh, Rob, we, we truly appreciate the time. Uh, what, once we get our show on the road, we are definitely coming to the Chawan coach's office Man, to do a live one-on-one. We post up in there. We'll have a great little time in here. We may, we may have to go remote and do it from Napoli's or Walt's Grill. I, 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 at the end of the day, I would do it all three. We've got three episodes now. There's hey. plenty about <laughs> we, we just hey, need to do a Shawan story. Hey, we, we gotta have we gotta go old school like the old DVCDs, man. We need the backside, you know, the front side, A, B, and C, because this has been this has been elite. And we haven't even touched the surface uh, of some of some of the stories. But again, you will follow in your father's footsteps again. He gave my first job. Uh, my first job, my responsibility. And from that, I was able to go 19 years, become a head coach for seven, coach of the year twice, division one, two, and three. Um, and that was that started at Chihuahua. And so I'm very grateful to him. And now I'm looking forward to your legacy continuing. He stood for something. He never, ever compromised, ever in any capacity. And he was one of the best coaches in America. Wasn't just in that one. So truly a pleasure. I look forward to hearing part two of this remix on this CD uh, with Rob Burke. I can't wait. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you having me. It's been a blast. All right. Take care, Rob. What a great episode we just had with Coach Rob Burke. Uh, longtime friend, coaching partner. Uh, everything you can say about him. Just a phenomenal guest. And all the life lessons that we did learn throughout his journey. And I'm, you know, I, I still to this day learning from him and things that his dad taught him that I didn't know. 
And it was a great thing for me just to sit back and listen and kind of to go into more detail with certain stories and certain lessons he learned throughout his journey. Coach Keith, uh, give me some final thoughts on what we went through with Coach Rob. Well, as well as learning and listening to him um, respectfully, you know, he really pours into me just about the, from a coaching standpoint, um, the big picture of building a program, uh, some of the impacts of people in his life um, that were coaches and some of the jobs um, from a military job and what it took and just to move and the trials of a family from one coach to another. So um, great learning piece for me, um, great learning piece, hopefully for the audience, but um, kind of shows the behind the scenes, um, true testament of a coach, coach's journey. All right. And any last words before we get on out of here? Another great show, Coach. I think we're enlightened and entertained. Until next time, keep it in the road. All right.